Okay. We're doing now Sunday portion of Parshas Veschanan. At this point, we open up by Moses pleading with God after, or Moses recounting what happened. This is all recounting. This is in the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy, saying that after the battles of Sichon and Og were won, and those lands, which technically are outside Israel, have now become incorporated in the land of Israel, with two and a half tribes settling there. So in a sense, Moses is already now on Israel territory. So maybe this means there's an opening in the decree saying Moses won't enter the land of Israel. So based on that, I implored God at that time saying, so the word used here in the Hebrew is ve'eschanan, and Rashi gives two explanations on it. Eschanan comes from the word chinam, which means uh, something for free. So ve'eschanan, this Hebrew term used, means asking for a request for free. Now, of course, Moses is very righteous, and the righteous could make requests based on their merit, that they deserve this. But that's not how the righteous speak to God. And when they turn to God and they ask for something, they always ask for a free gift, meaning like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have any merit. I'm just asking you freely to be gracious and give me this gift. Or, the second explanation Rashi gives, is that it's one of the ten different terms used for prayer. So if there are ten words for prayer, what is the specific nuance of that one? So it's similar to his first explanation. It's praying in the manner that a poor man begs. That's the prayer style of Eshanan. At that time, so after I conquered the land of Sichanan, it seemed to me that maybe the vow not allowing me to enter the land of Israel might have been rescinded because, in a sense, he's now in the land of Israel. And then the verse ended with the word lamor saying. Now, lamor saying always means to give over to someone else. That's the classical verse in the Torah is, and God said to Moses, saying, meaning God said to Moses to say this over to the children of Israel. But here, it's just like a dialogue between Moses and God. So who's the saying? So in this case, as in three other times, in such similar situations, saying means that Moses is saying, you, God, give this over. Meaning, you, God, please tell me. Are you going to carry out my request or not? So the saying is to say, that Moses is saying to God to say a response to his request. So now it's his prayer, the next verse. Um, God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what power is there in the heavens or on the earth that can perform according to your deeds and according to your mighty acts? So he's using here two terms for God, Hashem and Elohim. Hashem, the first term, is a concept of compassion. And Elohim, the second term, is a concept of judgment. So the fusion of Hashem Elohim, Rashi explains, means one who is merciful in judgment. Because, of course, that's what Moses is asking for. He's asking for mercy in his judgment. You have begun to show your servant. So there's an opening here to engage in prayer, even though you already made this decree. And Moses says to God, I learned this from you. Because after the Jews sinned with the sin of the golden calf, 
First, God says to Moses, okay, that's it, I'm done, I'm destroying them, you're going to be the new nation. And then God says to Moses, like, stop, like, leave me alone. And Moses hadn't said anything. So what did God mean by leave me, let go of me? Moses understood. God was hinting to him, new, pray for them. If you pray for them, I'll rescind this, which is, of course, what Moses did and what God did. So Moses is saying, the same way here, maybe you could act the same way now. Just In other words, just as by the sin of the golden calf, you stated they deserve destruction, and then you created an opening to allude to me that if I pray, you'll soften this, and you did. So similarly now, you made a decree that I can't enter the land of Israel. But maybe now there's a merciful in judgment. There's a softening of that decree. You show me your greatness. The greatness means your goodness, your kindness, and your strong hand. This is your right hand outstretched to all inhabitants of the world, right again symbolizing the kindness. But it's strong because your right hand is strong for you suppress with mercy the powerful attribute of strict judgment. The right O's represents God's kindness, left represents the judgment. So your right hand is so strong because it's overwhelming the left hand and the kindness is overwhelming the judgment, which of course is what we want and what one wants when one prays and what Moses wants here. Moses said, what powers are in the heavens or on the earth that can perform according to your deeds? Meaning, you're not like a human king. Because a human king, even if he wants to do something, he has all of his advisors that are going to stop him. If they, he wants to be kind, they'll say, no, 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 all the reasons why he shouldn't be kind to someone who's undeserving, all the problems that could come from it. But, but you're God. Nobody's going to raise objections if you decide to forgive me and cancel the decree. That's one level of meaning. And then Rashi says, the simple meaning is, just as you showed your servant the wars of Sichon and Og, show me the wars of the 31 kings of the land of Canaan. In other words, according to the first interpretation, Rashi explained that we're mentioning here your greatness and your strong hand in a plea of mercy, because they're referring to God's greatness and strength in acting merciful. In the simple meaning, your greatness, your strong hand, refers to the might manifest in war. So Moses is referring to God's strength in battle to plead that he should see more of that strength in the war of the conquest of Canaan. In the next verse, please let me cross and see the good land that is on the other side of the Jordan, this good mountain, and the Lebanon. So please let me cross, please, the word here in the Hebrew is no, which Rashi explains means a request. Sometimes no means now. Obviously now would not be relevant here. So he's saying please. The good mountain, meaning Jerusalem, it's reference to Jerusalem. The Lebanon refers to the temple. It's referred to as the Lebanon because the root word of Lebanon is Levan, white, because it whitens Israel's sins. That was Moses' prayer. But God, which Moses prayed many, many, many times, Moses prayed it, we say, as much as the numerical value of the word of Eshanan. He prayed and 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 he prayed for this. But God became angry with me because of you, and he did not listen to me. God said to me, it is much for you. Do not continue to speak to me further about this matter. So, Rosh explains this Hebrew to me, and God became full of anger so to speak, 
because of you, meaning you caused it to me. In other words, the whole situation that happened with the waters was really ultimately, in a sense, caused by the Jewish people. But ultimately, this Moses is saying, everything's happening here is because of you. And then God said to him, it is much for you. Meaning, don't keep pleading because what's going to happen? It's just going to cause the to have another complaint. They're going to say, look how harsh is, is the master. And look how obstinately the student pleads. Even the master made it very clear that he will not relent. So, it's Moses. so God is saying, stop pleading because it won't look good for you and it won't look good for me. Or, another way of understanding this, there's much for you. Don't worry. There's much, much good that's stored away from you. Great goodness that you're going to get. You're not getting what you want, but you're going to get much goodness. So, as Lubavitcher Rebbe explains, so here we have, as, as it's explained in the Talmud on this, that Moses pleaded and pleaded and pleaded and pleaded as many times as in his miracle value of Eschanan. And, and God said, no, stop. I don't want to hear it anymore. The Rebbe says, that Moses continued pleading after that because the one thing, according to law, a host can't tell a guest is when to leave. If God's the host and we're the guest and God says, leave, I don't want to hear you anymore, the guest can still keep talking, can still keep staying. Moses is saying, I don't want to leave your presence, God. I want to be with you. I want to go into the land with you. And why Moses pleaded so much was not only for himself or in a sense, why was God being so stubborn here not letting Moses go in? Because Moses was really pleading for his whole generation. He's not going to leave them abandoned in the desert. He wanted all the Jews to go into Israel now. He wanted to bring the Mashiach, the Messiah. And God was saying, no, I can't let you in, because letting you in, not just letting you in, it's letting your whole generation in. It's creating the Messiah now, and now is not the time for the Messiah. So your generation can't come in, and you're a loyal shepherd. You're not going to go and leave your generation behind. So you, with your generation, have to stay in the desert until the time for the coming of the Messiah. So what do we gain from all of Moses' prayers that he's praying and praying and praying and God saying, no, no, no? What we're gaining is that the prayers of anyone, let alone a tzaddik, let alone a tzaddik like Moses, never go unanswered. Because when a tzaddik decrees something, God has to fulfill. So Moses praying again and again and again to enter the land, meaning to bring the revelation of the Mashiach, surely is pounding to this day at God's door and forcing God's hand, so to speak, to do, of course, what he wants to do, and bring the revelation of the Shiach now. So continuing in the verse, here's God, so to speak, appeasing Moses. Ascend to the top of the cliff and raise your eyes westward, northward, southward, and eastward, and see with your eyes, for you shall not cross the Jordan. God is saying, you requested of me, let me see the good land. I'm going to show it all to you. I'm going to show you the whole, that's what you want? No problem. I'm going to show you the entire land of Israel and command Joshua and strengthen him and give him resolve for he shall cross before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land that you will seek. So command Joshua regarding the troubles, regarding the burdens, regarding the quarrels and strengthen him and give him resolve with your words meaning that he shouldn't become weak and think, oh my gosh, just as my master was punished because of the Jews, that's what's going to happen to me also. I assure him he will cross the Jordan. He will cause them to inherit the land of Israel. Now, something else we learn from this reassurance that he will cross is if he crosses before them, they'll inherit. And if not, they won't. Meaning Joshua is being told here via Moses that God is saying every time the Jews go to battle, you have to be at the head of the battle. If you cross before them, they're going to get it. 
So once, this didn't happen, once Joshua sent some of the people to conquer Ai, to attack this Canaanite town. And he stayed with the other Jews in the camp. And the, the Jews didn't win. The Jews were attacked by the men of Ai and they lost. And then Joshua fell on his face to, to, to plead with God what happened here. And God said, Kumlach, get yourself up. But you can also, taking that spelling, but putting different vowels in it, you can vocalize it as Kumlach, which means you stood still. You stayed in your place. You sent my sons to war. Well, of course they lost. That's not what I told you. What are you, what are you praying to me for? I told Moses, if you cross, they cross. If you don't, they're not going to. So when you go before them in battle, they'll win. If you don't, they're not going to win. What are you praying for? That's the rules of the game here. You know that you have to go with them in battle. And we stayed in the valley opposite of Beis Ba'ar. Now, what, what's, what does that have to do with anything? Because Moses said, what happened there? You attached yourself to idolatry. But you know what? You were still forgiven. But I was not privileged to be forgiven. In other words, why is Moses suddenly mentioning the location of the Jewish camp? It seems very irrelevant in this context. But it's alluding to the sin committed by Pa'ar and to contrast how God is relating to the Jews' sin by forgiving them as versus how he related to Moses' sin by not letting him go into the land of Israel. Though as we're explaining, God's not allowing Moses to go into the land of Israel had many levels of ramification that had much to do with the fact that Moses going in meant bringing the Messiah, which, or, or Moses building the temple, and which God was saying, no, you can't build a temple. A temple built by Moses can never be destroyed. If the Jews sin, I'm going to take out my wrath on the temple. I'm not allowed to destroy a temple of Moses. I'm going to end up pouring my wrath on the Jews. I don't want to do that. So Moses, you can't enter the Israel. Or as we're saying on an even deeper level, Moses was saying, me go in, meaning all my people go in, God's saying that means bringing the Messiah. I can't do that now. I'm not worthy of it now. So you and your people will stay and wait in the desert. Now, O Israel, listen to the decrees and to the ordinances that I teach you to perform so that you may live and you will come and possess the land that God, God of your forefathers, gives you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor shall you subtract from it to observe the commandments of God, your God, that I commanded you. So don't add, for example... Don't make a fifth passage in Tillin, or don't make a fifth species in the Lula bundle. Don't add a fifth tzitzis. And similarly with subtract, the same concept. Meaning, the phrase doesn't mean not fulfill the commandment, but rather don't subtract to the commandments itself. Your eyes have seen what God did with Baal For every man that followed Baal meaning this idol, God, your God, destroyed him from your midst. But you who cling to God, your God, you are all alive today. This is a very famous verse, this last verse. But you who cling to God, your God, you are all alive today. When we cling to God, that gives us life.